Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of EO Fire, and you're listening to Talking CFD with Robin Knowles. It's kind of like my show, but for CFD nerds, prepare to ignite. Hello, 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 Dr. Hubbard. <laughs> so are we doing the doctors, are we, Dr. Knowles? Yeah, and all that jazz. Well, it, you know, it's in keeping, isn't it? <laughs> with, yeah, the, with the theme so. of the show and all that. Before we get Before we get to any of that stuff have we have you got any exciting news for us um no nothing really um cfd wise i've been having fun with some micro scale multi-phase flows but that's about all i can tell you i'm afraid oh okay what otherwise you'd have to kill us yeah and there's, hunt, there's hunt, hunt all the listeners down all three <laughs> yeah it won't take me too long no um what about but, you Oh, it's, it's school holidays, so I've done more Lego than a man of my age should, and uh, that sort of thing. All good. Very, very quiet on the CFD front, but that's fine in the summer holidays. Absolutely. Enjoying the uh, balmy weather. Yeah, I've been experimenting with cold brew. Right. It's, it's not that good. Right. Um, anyway, so at the end of last week's episode... Um, I posed a question based off a observation you'd made from a talk at the NAFEMS conference, like we kind of like we'd planned it or something. And I'd said, do you need a PhD to do CFD? Now, before anybody thinks I'm being too serious, the answer's no. Um, so there we go. That's the end of the show. Oh, okay. No, um, the uh, it, it's a kind of a little little conversation starter based off that um, that thing. But um, do you want to give some background as to why I might have posed that conversation for anybody who didn't get to the end of last week's show? Oh, you're uh, you're asking me to remember about last week's show. Were we verging on a bit of democratisation? We were. So, I mean, we've got this show could go one of two or three different ways. I'm hoping to keep it fairly tight because there are chocolate biscuits in the kitchen currently, and if we go on too long, there won't be. So, I'm going to keep it tight for the chocolate biscuits. Okay, think of the biscuits always. Okay. Yeah, so, um, well, where do you want to start? So you did the very straightforward, um, same answer from me, really. If you just take the question purely at face value, then clearly the answer is no. Um, but the thing for me is digging a bit deeper and asking, what do you mean by doing CFD? Aha. Well, so it was in response to the uh, the suggestion that putting CFD into the hands of more people who may not be super familiar with CFD could be a dangerous thing. And I think we were talking about uh, people lifing pressure vessels with CFD mm-hmm. codes and things like that, and and uh, and the the ensuing dangers that could uh, could be around the corner with things like that. Um, I so to parlay that into kind of democratization um 
there are more and more codes around these days that are getting easier and easier to use and are targeted at people who don't really have a CFD background, might be a design engineer, might be, could be anything really. Because the, the kind of more niche, the more specific they get, the less you really need to know about the, the inputs. And to get back to the old garbage in, garbage out thing, there's some codification that hopes that you can only put certain things in and therefore you can only get certain things out. And if everybody's done their job nicely, then, and you're doing what you're supposed to do with this app or this code, then everybody bowls along quite nicely and you don't need the dedicated CFD engineer or um, the CFD department that perhaps you used to not very many years ago, although plenty of places still probably do have dedicated CFD engineers and and the like. Um, So I wanted to explore that a little bit because the more of these codes pop up, the more I see comments in forums and in discussions along the lines of, yeah, well, that's not real CFD or you can't do proper CFD with these codes and and various other comments around those sort of flavour that are basically saying they seem to be kind of a bit snooty. You know, we're CFD engineers. We're, We're the only ones who can do CFD properly and we're the only ones who know what we're doing. So therefore, these are the tools, you know, they're just toys. They're they're not for uh, they're not for the likes of us and for for doing real CFD with. And uh, that comment from the talk at the NAFEMS conference kind of put me in that in that mind and got my snooty head on. Um, so that was where I was taking it. Yeah, I kind of I kind of agree with all of that. I guess the the bits for me are talking about some of the newer tools where. Quite a few of them are appear very straightforward to use. You can access them in the web browser. In some cases, you really just need to upload some geometry um, for external airflow and tell it something about the wind, wind or air speed and direction, um, and it will go and do it for you. Um, but I, for me, that's not really doing CFD. Ah. Um, I was trying to think, kind of think of a good analogy, um, and I, I couldn't. Um, so here's my analogy, and it's rubbish. Um, <laughs> let's let's say we'll, we'll we'll build on it. <laughs> well, you see if you can dig me out of this hole that I'm about. Go on, then go for it. Out. So um, when I um, when I go to the shops in the hot, balmy weather that we're having at the moment, um, and I buy a six pack of Magnum, and I put them in the freezer. I'm not really freezing my magnums. I'm just putting them in the freezer. The freezer's doing the freezing. I'm just opening the door and sticking them in. Um, and that might be an oversimplification, but that's kind of where I was going with you you're abstracting away too much of the work and the detail to say that you're doing the CFD. The, the nice front end in your web browser, that's doing the CFD, and you've either done enough work to believe the results that it's telling you or you haven't and that's probably the riskier place that we were touching upon in the last chat um so for me that's the difference really is it's about have you done enough to believe the results of the cfd whether they're coming from your workstation running open phone 
Amazon's workstation running open foam or something running something that's sitting behind a Google um, Chrome tab. So how much of it do you think boils down to understanding what's gone on to get you to a result and how much of it is about understanding whether a result is sensible, um, physical, um, are those two inextricably linked or can they be separated? Are they different skill sets? Um, th- that's before we even get on to kind of um, analysing results and taking what you've what's popped out of this new code. Or, or I mean, it doesn't have to be a new code, popped out of whatever it's popped out of, um, the freezer, a magnum. Um, but how... How linked are those two things, the the knowledge of what went on to get you from input to result versus being able to understand whether the result is sensible from a a physical point of view? Um, I would say that's a very difficult question. My my gut response is I'm finding it quite hard to separate the two. However, I could imagine a scenario where if you didn't necessarily know about the nuts and bolts going on behind the scenes, and in some cases that's quite a good idea because those nuts and bolts quite often come with a packet of Neurofen to deal with your headaches. Yeah. Um, if you'd used some of these tools that don't expose you to the nuts and bolts and you'd approached it in a logical and a thoughtful way and applied some common sense and you had some previous experimental data or some knowledge of performance against some things you were changing and you made those changes in this tool and this tool showed you the results that agreed with your expectations however you've come to them then for me that's starting to do the cfd because you're using the tool in a way that is going to give you some information that's useful to you and you've treated it with enough respect to give it a chance of doing that properly, if you see what I mean. So would one of those skills rank higher than the other? Being able to understand what went on within the box versus um, being able to understand whether something is um, within bounds or or expected or or useful? Um. Probably the last one's more valuable, I would say. Do you think it's probably harder to codify? As in, perhaps you can, um, well, you can, because it turns into a black box, but perhaps you can code up all the uh, the things that go on in the background such that we don't have to tamper with them. But it's really hard to codify the, the other end. The, I've made unspecified change and it has had unspecified effect. Are those two sensible? Yes, so... Figuring out whether it's sensible is tricky without knowing the nuts and bolts. Figuring out if it's sensible in the context of comparing it to something that you've got an expectation for um, is probably easier. And you can do that, I think, without the nuts and bolts knowledge. But it becomes tricky if your output from your CFD, however you've cooked it, doesn't agree with your other expectations which you've got a strong belief in where do you go then if you don't know the nuts and bolts oh support well (laughs) yes so 
you go, you, you have to deal with the nuts and bolts, whether that's directly yourself or indirectly through somebody else. I think they're still there. That's, that's my, that's the view I'm struggling to shift. I think in some cases you might not need to get into them, but in some cases, especially if you're pushing the bounds of, of kind of difficulty and not just doing flows round cylinders and stuff, you might run into them quite easily. No, you're sort of leading towards my PhD there because flows around cylinders is well hard. Well, were your cylinders spinning? Yeah, I mean, eventually, yeah, they were. But uh, to start with, when you're doing some, uh, let's do some, let's do some easy validation stuff that turns out to take almost as long as the rest of it. Um, but yeah, they were. Anyway, we'll we'll come back to that in a minute. Um, so yeah, you don't necessarily need to know what's going on in the uh, in the subsystems that power your freezer. Um, to as long as the doors, as long as it's cold when you open the door, you probably don't need to be refilling whatever's in there these days. No, exactly. Last time I put a magnum in and I went away for a week and I opened the door, it was still frozen. So I'm happy with my freezer. I want to come to your house if you put a magnum in our freezer. It's definitely not there a week later. Well, <laughs> there's another set of reasons for that other than those that are within the remit of the freezer's performance. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so. You've got you've got a PhD. I've got a PhD. We both do CFD. We're going to do some like cause and effect type causal analysis or something like that. Are we, are we both doing CFD because we've got a PhD, or is that are, 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 have we got domain expertise from the PhD that lets us be the power users or something, or what, what, what's going on? Oh, okay. Rolling out the tricky questions this one, eh, Robin? Um, so I still. Even when you start to talk about the nuts and the bolts, um, I don't think you, I still don't think you need a PhD. The thing you probably get when you do a PhD is you spend a lot of time thinking about what's going on in your CFD as a result of using it in a particular way or trying to write some algorithms associated with a solver or write a new solver or whatever it is. Um, so it's not specifically the PhD, it's just the opportunity to spend a lot of time getting experience and thinking about it. And you can get the same level of experience working for one of the big commercial CFD software companies, I would imagine. I haven't done that. But so I wouldn't I wouldn't say it's necessarily about the study in the academic environment. For me, it's more about the, the due diligence and the time working out what's going on. Um, but I... I imagine your PhD, did you write any code or did you use code more than write code? I used code. No, I didn't write any code, any CFD code. I did actually write code, but I didn't write any CFD code um, at all. Um, What was I using? Fluent at the time, um, because I couldn't make open foam. Well, it wasn't open foam, it was foam with an academic license. Couldn't make that work at the time. Um, Probably because I didn't know what I was doing with the CFD. But um, no, mine was. Are we, what we're going to do a little pre-see of what we actually did? Well, no, I think it's probably a, a valuable differentiation because yours was more using CFD and yes, mine absolutely. was more writing algorithms. So I think that could be an interesting um, contrast. Yeah, so I have been a user from the beginning. Um, I have never really done any CFD development in terms of any solvers or anything like that. A lot of glue code and a lot of process and some post-processing code and things like that, but never any actual kind of solver tweaking or 
writing or you know, re-architecting or anything like that. Um, yeah, user, because the, the, the way I came to CFD was, was a necessary as a part of my PhD to, there were certain experimental conditions that we couldn't do. So there were, there were tests that we couldn't make. They were, they were not possible but you could easily do it in CFD. And by doing that, we gave us a sort of third um, condition, if you like, where um, we could use the CFD to give us some insight based on what we'd already done that it, into an experimental condition that we couldn't construct in the wind tunnel. Um, so that's that's why we were using CFD. It was, it was a tool. It was a means to an end. Um, so, yeah, that's... That's kind of what I've, and that that's carried on throughout my career. I, I use CFD to, um, to reveal answers to problems that I can't get those answers in in any other, in any other way, in either a timely fashion or a economic way. Um, usually, you could do you could do most of these problems that I come across in another way, you know, experimentally or um, some sort of physical testing. But um, CFD usually beats it in terms of time and cost, particularly if I'm doing it. Um, that um, That's that's how I use it. So it's a, it's a tool. It's not a, uh, a platform that I use to kind of push forward new algorithms or something like that. Um, I think you've got a different, slightly different background then. Yes. Yeah, so mine was um, writing a, essentially writing a particular type of Navier-Stokes solver. So the the application was looking at um, vortices behind wings, which are a limiting factor for airport capacity. Uh, that's a much longer story for another chat another time. Um, it means meets, uh, it means I get quite scared when I'm sitting on the runway on an aeroplane. <laughs> I know how long the aeroplane should be waiting behind the one that takes off in front of it. And that's information you don't really want when you're sat on a runway. Um, but the, there was some experimental work um, going on um, that I was trying to do some CFD to, to replicate and then kind of move on in a similar way to which you've described. Um, but the CFD was complicated in three dimensions. Um, and so it took quite a lot of time. So this window I believe this back in 2000, early 2000s, so you didn't have uh, massively multiple uh, cores on your um, on your processors. So the cunning plan was to write a particular type of algorithm, which was kind of two and a half dimensional. Um, again, another long story. Um, but that wasn't a particular approach that was um, available in commercial um, safety packages at the time. Um, and so it was a good idea to try and write one ourselves. Um, so I kind of wrote a two and a half D Navier-Stokes solver um, myself from scratch. So um, yes, I had a very different approach. Um, and I guess the thing that was interesting to me from what you were just talking about was how you learned to use Fluent. So I guess you had a bunch of time with the big thick instruction manual and you were just kind of learning what all the things meant that you had to use as inputs. Is that right? Um, partly and partly I was at, um, on placement 
Um, and so my um, my PhD was industrially sponsored for a bit until they went bust. Um, so there was a period of time, a good chunk of time on placement, learning um, how they would do it in industry, and then taking that um, those techniques and seeing if I can use them um, to do what I needed to do, rather than what they needed to do in the uh, in this in, in in industry. Okay. Yeah, so I was just kind of interested in kind of how you learn the nuts and bolts because I learned the nuts and bolts by having to screw them together myself. Myself, you kind of had them, but you still had to understand how they worked in order to get the software to do what you wanted. Yeah, so I had a sort of a set of best practices that I then had to kind of deconstruct afterwards to say, um, to be able to say, um, we're not we're doing it this way because that's how it's done. We're doing it this way because if we do this, then this happens, or if we do this, then this happens, and all these are less good than the way we're doing it. Um, so you you know that that scenario where you, you could feasibly be asked anything um, when it comes to defend your PhD, and one of the things that uh, you tend not to be wanting to ask is, well, why didn't you try this? Or did did you try this? And it's much easier to answer it if you uh, if you've got a a breadth of things that you have tried to get to the point rather than go, oh yeah I didn't think of that. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so that's. I mean, I, I was interested in that because I think a lot of my um, a lot of the reasons I like using Open Foam is because of my PhD time where I spent time kind of messing around with the details of getting things to work. Um, and that's made me quite comfortable with open foam. And it actually means that I quite enjoy using open foam, um, which is obviously a nice thing for me. But I guess the other side of that coin would be um, I don't really like using the finite element codes as much because I don't have the same level of understanding of what they're doing. So I don't know if they're doing things as well as they should or what I can do to make them go quicker. Just just for clarification, we're talking finite element as oh, in a yes. as opposed to finite volume or yes. as yes, in absolutely. we're not talking about structural codes or well I guess yeah, no, not really. Um they stick to finite elements and finite volume. So I wrote a finite volume solver. Open foam is a finite volume solver. Um and so finite element solvers I don't really know how they work. Um so I don't know if I'm getting the best out of them. What's an example of that? Like kind of an Elmer or something, is that? An Elmer or Comsole. I always fight. Oh, yeah. I always fight with Comsole in terms of um, number of elements and whether I can make it go quicker for um, the same accuracy. And I don't really have as good a handle of what's going on under the hood as I do with Open Foam to be able to feel as comfortable doing that. So I guess that's the other side of the. The kind of knowing the nut. If you know one set of nuts and bolts, it means you're not very good if you need a screwdriver instead of a spanner. So you like to be able to see what's going on, um, um, but do you do you want to tweak it or just be able to see what's going on? Um, depends whether I guess whether I'm comfortable with what I'm seeing and do I think I do I think I can make it more accurate quicker for the same accuracy or do i think it's you can, already whether you, can, whether you can improve it on some metric that is yes. meaningful and that's i guess that's the bit with the finite element stuff i don't have a gut feel for whether i should whether it's possible or not 
even if it was possible, I don't think I'd necessarily be able to do it as well. I mean, you can you can change this, the, the you know the normal things with mesh sensitivities and all, all kinds of other stuff. But I guess just from a fundamental level, I don't feel as comfortable using those tools as the ones that I've got a bit more um, experience of in the detail. So I guess for me, that was the two sides of my PhD. I think it's really helped me with open foam. Um, and to be fair, Fluent, when I started using Fluent, I felt quite comfortable that I sort of had an idea of what it was doing. Um, and I've never had that same feeling using other non-finite volume codes. So, do you, I mean, there's plenty of buttons and switches to play with in any code, but do, I mean, do you do you find that you have to break out your code spanner occasionally and, and change stuff, or are we just talking about optimising existing settings? Um I don't break out my code spanner very often unless I'm trying to do something kind of outside the remit of what the existing capability is. So I won't be writing my own differencing schemes. There's plenty of differencing schemes out there to keep you busy for yeah. far too long. Um, but if it was a case of um, solving a new equation as part of open phone, then I'd be quite happy doing that. Um, it, the further you further you dig down the C++ hole, the less comfortable I become. Um, I'm not a C++ developer, but I've done enough coding to be comfortable of having an idea of what I can do and knowing where the line is for things that I shouldn't try and do. <laughs> know enough C++ to be dangerous. Yes, and also know enough C++ to know when I am being dangerous and I should stop. So, how do you, having been exposed to, uh, sorry, I'm trying to quit, it's a Simon interview tonight. Um, having been exposed to enough commercial codes in your time, how does that sort of desire to be able to see what's going on and then, if possible, get in there and tweak it, how does that translate with something like Fluent and a UDF? Is that good enough? Or do you need a do you need extra visibility or extra access? Um, no, I think Fluent and UDFs is is plenty good enough. I guess the the bit that um, I, some of it for me is a principal thing. I just like to be able to go and look at the source code if I've got a question because I can just go and see what it's doing. But you'll never get that with any commercial software. So that's that's more of a principal thing than a practical thing. I don't think it really limits you. Um, in real terms, use of commercial code. It's just something that I like to be able to do if I've got a question that I can't answer from um, from Googling it or looking in the user manual. Um, but that's just a personal preferency thing. I don't think it's. I don't think that's really got anything to do with um, being able to do CFD with or without a PhD. It's just kind of what I was used to because I wrote some algorithms, and when they didn't work, I went and figured out what I'd done instead of what I thought I should have done. If you know what I mean. Yeah. So developing the the thought a little bit more because it was obviously a a fairly throwaway thought at the time. Um the where we we talked about commercial codes as historically they have been kind of a you know a, a release almost a bit of a box of software that used to turn up and used to install it and uh, and get the new features and away you go. And then you've got your open source codes where you can look at the source code and, uh, as the name suggests, duh. Um, but how about this new generation of, of codes that kind of live in the cloud where, you know, there is potentially not a lot to see? Um, 
Would you be, I, I mean, that's got to make you feel twitchy, surely? Um, yes, to be honest, I think it would. I'm, I mean, the things on my mind would be things like turbulence models, for example. There's a whole... Oh, you don't need them. Well, <laughs> you might not want them, but sometimes, unfortunately, you need them. Um, so, as you'll know, there's a large menu of different turbulence models. Um, and some of them even some, work. Some of them even work, and some of them are better suited to some flow situations than others. Um, and I'm not sure there's any whizzy um, appification of choosing turbulence models that's made it into any of the um, commercial software or the, you know, the even more um, deconstructed ones where you've just got much simpler interface. Um, you kind of mentioned earlier the, the classic garbage in, garbage out. The thing for me with the CFD programs, there's a lot of inputs. Um, and if you're not exposing those inputs to a person, then how are you deciding which are the right ones? So turbulence models are a great example. You can get into all the kind of all Y plusy stuff. How do you decide if that's all okay? Who decides? I don't think the machine decides yet. So in the in the ones with the simplified interface, my question is who's deciding and how? But isn't that like the whole the whole heart of the the kind of appification niche CFD software democratization idea that somebody is codifying and locking up a best practice that you, so you don't need to know. Um, I mean, you can I'm sure they they'll tell you what they're doing and um, it's documented and all the rest of it. But if if this app helps you design a heatsink, um, do you need to be able to? Tweet. I mean, so there's there's two questions. One, would you need to be able to tweak the settings, um, or would you, as in a user, need to tweak the settings as long as you were doing what was intended with it, um, and then you'd got that kind of sanity check at the other end where I've um, I've doubled the performance of this, um, but I've only made a teeny tiny change. Is that is that sensible? Yeah. So. I guess with the the person who knows the nuts and bolts, either setting up the configuration or checking at the end, it kind of makes sense. And um, I'm sure a lot of the commercial software providers kind of do it. I know Comsol do a whole thing about application building, where the person who knows the nuts and bolts kind of sets up the simulation as an application, and you can then kind of bound your inputs between. Um, velocity magnitudes between this and this and other things and then you give it to the person who's designing the heatsink and then they can use it to give them the information that they need um, and you've had that that kind of control over what these are all these other inputs are that the heatsink designer doesn't need to see or need to worry about but for me that then kind of asks the question is the heatsink designer doing CFD or is the heatsink designer designing heatsinks, or both? Oh, it sounds like a we could disappear down a little semantic rabbit hole. But um, <laughs> I, I, and sort of by extension, will anybody be doing CFD in what was that? What was that NASA Horizon? That's twelve years, isn't it? Yes. Um, will anybody be doing CFD, or will it just be a, a select few, and the rest of us will be 
designing heat sinks or designing a new valve or I'm sh- I can't believe that's not a solved problem but I'm sure somebody will put me right on that um, or, or whatever it is we're doing day to day so we are minimizing the CFD overhead that's required and getting on with doing something useful with it which is I mean kind of what I'm all about day to day um, and I can see that being I can see that being good and useful. And, I, I, you know, I've seen plenty of pretty complicated um, CFD setups. You know, you see whole F1 cars where the thing, the, the, the CFD setup is is codified and, and locked away and all the rest of it. And anybody within the aero department can throw a new barge board or a flap or a whatever crazy wacky extra little widget they're going to bolt on man there's a lot of little things on there the scales of these things terrify me at the moment but um um you can throw another bit of geometry on there and see what it does without even really needing to to know the cfd setup because people clever people in the background with phds are probably setting it up um so that it works 99.8 percent of the time (laughs) no absolutely um and for me, that's the kind of the harmony between the person that wants the information from the CFD and the person who likes making sure the CFD is providing good information. Now, sometimes those two people are the same person, probably in your case and in my case. Um, sometimes they're not. Um, but I guess you're going to criticize me for being overly pedantic about doing CFD. But I guess that's the that's the tricky bit of Who's doing CFD and does it really matter if the CFD that's getting done by one or more people is providing the answers that's required against the questions that are being asked, such as please make my Formula One car go faster? No, I'm not going to criticise that at all because I think that's absolutely probably the the key to this and where some of these um, comments that I mentioned earlier come from. The fact that if you self-identify as somebody who does CFD um, in the sort of sense that we're talking about, then um, potentially those jobs are changing um, and changing quite quickly, I think, with some of the evolutions in in the marketplace. And those people who identify as designing heat sinks and designing valves and designing Formula 1 cars who use CFD, that their life's going to get easier, um, I think. Um, the people who sort of self-identify as doing CFD, I'm not sure. That's that's in flux. It's not going away. Definitely not going away. Um, but you, this sort of the way things are evolving and seem to be evolving um, some of that, that knowledge into a more behind-the-scenes role. Is that fair? I think there is some of the knowledge behind the scenes, but my immediate thought was it's actually quite a big grey area between the person designing the heatsink and the person setting up the app to do the simulation of the heatsink. Um, and I guess in my mind, there's, that's where quite a lot of the magic happens in terms of having a really accurate simulation that allows you to do something novel with your heatsink that you couldn't do before. So... I guess for me, the kind of um, the people side of it is making sure that the person who's using the tool and the person who's kind of developing the tool 
work together as best as possible because that's where the, the kind of happy middle ground between the two things are between the application and the tool set. Um, I guess that's the bit that I'm most interested in is getting the best out of the tool for the job at hand and how do you do that? Yes, I mean it's like that um it's like that question about, you know, when occasionally when a client will ask you they'll say something like, Is this accurate? And you'd be well, accurate comp- well, one, accurate compared to what? Um, and two, what level of accuracy do you need? You know, what 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 does better CFD look like? Um, and it is wildly different across the industry. You know, what, what better CFD looks like to me um, isn't potentially what better CFD looks like to you, what better CFD looks like to... Acme core building whatever they're building, um, and people pushing the pushing the envelope trying to do something novel. Um, I try not to do anything novel. No, but that's that's an interesting point. I guess in my mind, quite a lot of CFD at the moment is probably good enough in the context of either the question, "What information do you need?" and or "What decision are you trying to make?" Um, I mean, good enough in terms of providing the information and making the right decision. Sure, you can probably wait a couple of years and you'll get the same level of information quicker maybe or easier um, using some of the newer tools. But there's still, um, I think there's still a, a large bulk of doing a sufficiently good job of providing those two things as long as you know what they are. And that's the tricky part, I think, understanding the upfront. What information do I need and what decisions do I want to make? Um, and I, I guess trying to bring it back round to the, the question at the start, that's still part of doing CFD. So understanding what information you need and then working out what sort of CFD you need to do to get sufficiently good information to make that decision. No, I'll buy that. I, uh, I like that. We, we, it sounds like we need like um, I need to put some t-shirts together or something that said I do CFD and like do in kind of bold or, or something like that. Simon says, "Do you do CFD?" <laughs> on the front, and then what's on the back? Um, Robin says, "Who cares?" <laughs> Great stuff. No, I get. I mean, it's no, it's definitely. Um, I uh, I agree with that. Um, that that sentiment around um, a distinction between doing and using, and uh, and where the uh, where those two things meet, and there being that kind of being where the magic happens. Um, yeah, I buy that. I like that. Um, you definitely don't need a PhD to be uh, making the magic happen, but um, I think it. Um, I think it has some some benefits. I wouldn't insist anybody went out and got one. Or uh, even that. Uh, I mean, do you even use your doctor title? Um, not, not in general passing. Um, I don't because I, I don't like that whole thing about you not being a proper doctor. Well, yeah, but then you're into the whole. What do you mean by a proper doctor thing? Um, that's fine. Um, I don't want to have to like somebody think I'm going to no. save somebody's life when, when, in no, fact, no. when in fact all I'm going to do is redo the rear wing for them. Yeah. <laughs> The only time that it bothers me is when I'm filling a form out online and it's not in the drop-down list of titles. It's the only time it bothers me. 
What do you go for, know. Reverend, then, instead? Well, exactly. So, I, 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 and it's a silly thing. I don't really care whether people use it or know about it day to day. Um, but it bothers me that it is an official title and people in their drop-down boxes haven't thought of me. So I have to be Mr. Um, and I don't know if there's any formal legal stuff about it. I don't think there is. But anyway, yeah, that's the only time I really care, filling in internet forms that don't allow me to pick doctor. Oh. <laughs> if I, 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 I felt a couple of times during today's show that I could have done with a sound effect. I wanted a oh, okay. one earlier and I want a little violin one now. Okay, so um, is that is that on the uh, wish list for the next season? I found I found a code that does it. It looks pretty oh, yeah. cool. Yeah, okay. I'll tell you about that another time. Um, we are so I, I, we'd already answered the question before we even started about whether you need a, a PhD for doing CFD. Answer no, um, and it's not like up that we're not going to put that up for debate. I don't think because the answer is no. Um, in fact, we already had some feedback that said the answer was no before we even started um and i'm sure we'll come up for a like a question of the day for the uh, the facebook group if you haven't been joining in with the question of the days in the facebook group then uh, then do so because it's it's good but this is kind of the start of our summer holiday isn't it i think so um so on that note do we want to put a request out for people to drop us any topics or subjects that they'd like us to uh, mull over on series was that two or was it 2.5 we forget oh, I, I don't know yeah let's forget all the other previous they can be like the point versions you know like the beta versions yeah so this was 1.0 okay so for series 2.0 um if anyone's got any topics or aspects that they'd like us to chew over then uh, please do let us know yeah or nice feedback <laughs> well i don't know i think something that can be uh Slightly contentious. We're not too scared of that, are we? No, no. I just mean like if you've you know if you've got nothing nice to say, don't say anything. That's what my mum always said. <laughs> Absolutely. Right. Um, so yeah, I'm glad we we put that to bed. Everybody's now going to be at the uh, at the cusp between doing CFD and using CFD and making the magic happen. I'm going to think about what t-shirts we can make around that and. Uh, We'll be back in a bit. Excellent stuff. So you're going to go and enjoy your biscuits. I'm going to go and get um, a magnum out of the freezer. I hope it's still frozen. Um, otherwise, we're going to have to do another episode. Well, exactly. I'll have to uh, let you know to wipe the whole episode and start again. I'm pretty sure it'll be okay if it's still in there. Um, yeah. Okay. And so I guess this wraps up series 1.0 um, and we'll be back. We're going to be back in the autumn. Yeah. All right. We'll be back in the autumn. That's all, folks. I need another sound effect there, don't I? <laughs> it's a kind of walking off into the sunset sound effect. Yeah, something like that. Absolutely. Right, take care then, Robbie. Cheers, Sam. Yeah.